Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... The Lord has accomplished salvation. Saul said, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that, guys. God has had mercy on us. We've been, we've been saved by God, right? I want you to note, Saul doesn't take credit for the victory. Spear came upon him. The anger was aroused in him. The direction was given by him, but who does Saul say did the victory? The Lord. Note that. Note that under the power of the Spirit, Saul, no, he's not a big deal. The Lord's a big deal. Any man or woman that's really walking in the Spirit and filled with the Spirit, they will not take credit. They'll just point you to Jesus. They'll point you to the Lord. He did it. Do you know that God is claiming victory in countless lives and situations every day? While this is a powerful truth, sometimes it can be tempting to take credit for the things that God is doing. In today's message, Pastor Bill will implore listeners to keep their eyes on the Lord and direct outward praise back to Him. It is God who is worthy of all the honor. We are merely vessels of Him. He wants to use you in powerful ways, but He deserves the credit. How can you better acknowledge the hand of God in your life? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 11 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. God says, I prepared before. I foreordained what you're supposed to be. Some people spend this life trying door number one, door number two, trying different things, and God's like, I've already decided what I've called you to be. If you would just seek me, I'd, I'd make it clear to you. I've gifted you. I've, I've created you a certain way. You've you got a certain kind of personality. You've got certain strengths and weaknesses. I've created you to be this. And it's, it's right there with him. And some people try all these different doors and spend years of their life trying to figure out what they want to do. Uh, I remember years ago, I stopped asking kids, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know why? Because it don't matter what they want to be when they grow up, right? It's, I've learned that. It doesn't matter what you want to be. What matters is, I'm like, hey, as you seek the Lord, what's God stirring up in your heart? What do you think God's calling you to do? What do you think God wants you to be, wants you to do, wants you to pursue? Because that's all that's going to matter at the end of the day. Everything else will be a waste. Even if you succeed at pursuing what you want, if it's not what God wants, you failed. You succeeded, you, you succeeded and failed at the same time. And so we want to be careful to get it from God. It says in John 15, 16, Jesus says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you uh, that you should go forth, that you guys should be able to, appointed you that you would work, that you would do a work, that you should go forth and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give you. I appointed you, he said. This, I've given you something to do. There's something I want to do with you, in you and through you. Can I tell you guys as believers, if the first most important thing is getting born again, so you're not going to hell, so you're in relationship with the Lord and you know you're going to heaven when you die and, and God is your dad and you got, you're connected, that's, that's of utmost importance. That's the first most. But once you get there, God, what do you want to do? When Saul in the New Testament, Saul that became Paul, if you guys remember on the Damascus Road, when he first got saved, when God knocked him down off his high horse, he was blinded. The first thing he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And that, that his life began there. Lord, what would you have me to do? God gave him his first direction. As he followed the first direction, he got his eyes opened up. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. As Ananias prayed for him, he got his next set of directions. And he was directed the rest of his life by the Lord. Where to go, what to do, powered by the Spirit, lived a super fruitful life. Um, witnessed all of us, wrote most of our New Testament. But the first word out of his mouth, Lord, what would you have me to do? And he obeyed from that, from that step on. That's, that's where it all begins for the believer. First get saved. Understand who the Lord is. And then, Lord, what would you have me to do? 
Oftentimes, what God is going to have us to do is lay aside all our own joy. We, we may have come to Christ and had all kind of dreams and passions and aspirations and things that we used to do. And then we come to God. and He's like, I, I didn't do none of that. That's not, I, don't, I, that, I don't want none of that. I got I got something different over here for you. Maybe he got something of you over there, too. But many times God is like, that's that's count all that. Paul said about his old life. I count it all as dung. And y'all know what that is, right? I, I, I refuse. I count it all as dung for the, the for the, the, the excellence of knowing for knowing Christ. I mean, I forget all that. Forget all that I learned and all that I learned in school and all my education. Forget all that. I, I know Jesus. And that, that to compare to knowing him, all of that is trash. It's dung. Leave it behind. I don't I don't glory in that anymore. I glory in the fact that I know him and I'm known by him. And so. If I can encourage you guys that we, we, we understand one, there's, there's a calling, something God wants to do, and it will require his spirit upon our, our lives. If you've never sensed a need for more of God, it might be that you're not doing anything for God. What will happen the moment you seek to do the thing God called you to do, you'll always be inadequate. God will always call us to do things that we're not adequate in and of ourselves to do. And we'll realize how inadequate we are and how much help we need. And we'll look to him. God, help me. And he's like, yes, that's, 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 how, that's how this works. Now I need help. God, I know you do. And he'll pour out his spirit upon us and God will be our help. And we'll stay connected to him. And we'll, we'll know the whole time that, God, I can't do it without you, but I can do it through you. And we'll seek him and we'll pray and God will fill us and he'll use us. And that'll be the pattern of our lives until we go to be with him face to face. We need him. Amen. We need him for salvation. We need him because we're saved. We need him in order to be of service. We need him to be fruitful. We need God for every part of our lives. And if you're able to live a life that's not really, that's not, you're not you know, vividly aware that you need him, you might be doing your own thing, right? Because you might just be living a very comfortable you know, life. You might not even be walking with the Lord, you know? But if you're walking with God, I guarantee you, there'll be an awareness that I need him. I need him. I need him. Sometimes we need God just to be, just to be a Christian, right? I need the Holy Spirit to help me. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a good Christian. I need help, right? I'm not holy. My first inclination is not holy. When bad things happen, God, I need you right now. I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to do the wrong thing. I'm going to give the wrong look. I'm going to have the wrong behavior. I need help. I need the Holy Spirit upon me every day. I need to be filled. And that's why the Bible says be, be continually being filled with the Spirit. Because it, it's a continual thing. It's something that we continue to seek him and ask him for and pray for in our lives. So let's move on now. It says now in verse um, the second part of verse, the last part of verse eight, it says um, after Saul told them, whoever doesn't go out to battle, it's going to be done to them like he did to the oxen. It says in the fear of the Lord fell on the people and they all came out with one consent. You can circle that phrase one consent. They were unified. They all came out in unity with him. And so there's something powerful about unity in Genesis 11. If you're a note taker in Genesis 11, the, the people were people were united to do something God didn't want them to do. Right. They were trying to build the tower to Babel in rebellion to God. And the Trinity had a conversation and they said, look, these guys are these guys are all one. And he says nothing that they desire to do will be kept from them. God looked at them and said, man, that they even when bad people are united, God says that unity is powerful. We're going to confuse their language because with them being united like that, nothing that they want to do will be kept from them. So I'm going to confuse their language. so They can't be one anymore. Understand that unity is powerful no matter who it is. So believers, if we if we walk in unity as a church, if we walk in unity, if we're Jesus is the king. Right. If we're looking at Jesus as the master, 
we all fall under him in submission to him and we're seeking him for direction and we're all united in that. Nothing that God desires to do through us will be kept from us. Be a powerful church, the church that has made Jesus the king and that we walk, we're united in him together. And so here, all the people come together with, with consent. Verse eight, when he numbered them in Bezek, the children of Israel were, were 300,000 and the men of Judah, 30,000. And they said to the messengers who came, thus you shall say to the men of Jabesh Gilead, tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have help. Then the messengers came and reported it to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. So word came back. Saul has let them know, hey, we got your back. Uh, we're going to come down. Let the men of Jabesh know. They was already to punk out in the first place. Let them know by the time the sun is up tomorrow, we'll be down there uh, with some help. And I'm sure that was a, a relief to them. Um, now, here's the cool thing I, I, as I look at this. Did they deserve the help? No, nah, they were they were they they didn't they didn't help when they were supposed to be, you know, join up. But 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 God is gracious. Right. What is grace? Getting what you don't deserve. God's unmerited favor. God doing for us. I'm so glad that God isn't like people because people will hold us to that. You know what? You didn't help me out when I needed help. Now you calling me. Ha ha. You know what they the old song. They said you caught the vapors. You know, now it now it's now you and you in the position. You got your hand out. And so. I'm so glad that God is merciful uh, because we need mercy. Right. We, I need the mercy of God. We're all benefactors of the mercy of God. So we ought to be some of the most merciful people on the planet. Believers should be right. When people it's, it take opportunity, gracious and merciful. Um, there are going to be people that don't deserve you to do something for them. Do it for them and just say, God, because you've been gracious to me. They don't deserve it. I'm not going to put it in their face. I'm not going to tell them we well, don't really deserve this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Just do it because you've been you're a recipient of grace. When you have opportunity to show mercy, I should do this to you, but I'm not going to. When you have opportunity, just do that. Show mercy and just say to yourself, God, because you've been merciful to me. And when God gives you opportunity to do for others what he has done for you, take it. Be gracious when you can be gracious. And be merciful when you can be merciful because you are a recipient of grace and mercy. We're only here today because God has been gracious and merciful. And if believers will keep that in mind, we'll be a lot less legalistic and harsh. There's some harsh, lemon-lipped Christians out there that they got a harsh word for everybody, got a judgmental something for everybody. And it's like, do you realize you living on mercy and grace? How are you so harsh? How are you so critical of everybody? You're only here today. You, I mean, you know, it's like they've forgotten that they're sinners. They've forgotten all their grime, all their dirt. That, but before God, everybody keep it 100 before God, you, you, you're sitting on grace and mercy. Amen? And that, that'll, keep us, that'll keep us humble. That'll keep us from getting a haughty spirit. Uh, it'll keep us from thinking more of ourselves than we ought. And again, when God gives you opportunity to be gracious, to be, you ought to be. Because you're only here today because God was gracious to you. You don't deserve this. And God is merciful. You didn't get what you deserved. So we should be thankful recipients of grace and mercy, and we should be faithful conduits of mercy and grace. It'll please the Lord if you do. Do for others what God has done so graciously and faithfully for you. Amen. Amen. Verse 10, it says, therefore, the men of Jabesh said, tomorrow we will come out to you and you may do with us whatever seems good to you. 
So they, they kind of put the front on. They say, okay, tomorrow we'll come out and you, whatever you want to do, gouge out our eyes, you know, poke us, whatever. We'll be out tomorrow. Verse 11, so it was on the next day that, they, that Saul put the people in three companies and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch and killed Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it happened that those who survived were scattered so that not two of them were left together. So Israel has such a great victory that they wiped out everybody, killing everybody there. And the people that escaped, they didn't, there was never two that escaped together. So yeah, one guy scatter away, his homie got killed. There was never two of them to scatter. So it was a great victory for Israel over the Ammonites, those who came out against them. Verse 12, then the people said to Samuel, who is he who said, shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. I want you to note something here. The enemy was unsuccessful in the first attack. And I want you to know this is just another attack of the enemy. The enemy couldn't get him on the frontal attack. Couldn't make you guys submit and get your eyes gouged out. So the enemy, through these two guys who could appear like they're doing a righteous thing. Who are those men who said Saul would not reign over us? Bring them out that we may kill them now that now Saul is the king. He saved us today. And this would be division. This would be this. Would be, hey, let's kill some of our people today. That didn't want to. You didn't stand with us. Now we're going to get you. And this is where spiritual leadership is so critical, because this could sound like a spiritually right thing. We're we're righteous anger for those guys that didn't stand with us. Kill them. Those are still God's people. Amen. And so Saul rightly says in verse 13, it says, but Saul said, not a man shall be put to death today for today. The Lord has accomplished salvation. Saul said, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that, guys. God has had mercy on us. We've been we've been saved by God. Right. I want you to note Saul doesn't take credit for the victory. Spirit came upon him. The anger was aroused in him. The direction was given by him. But who does Saul said did the victory? The Lord. Note that. Note that under the power of the spirit, Saul, no, he's not a big deal. The Lord's a big deal. Any man or woman that's really walking in the spirit and filled with the spirit, they will not take credit. They'll just point you to Jesus. They'll point you to the Lord. He did it. Saul, no, he couldn't do this. He knew God did it. And he gave God the glory for it. And Saul says, no, no, we're not going to shed blood today. That, this, is a, this is a day of victory. God has given us a victory. We're not going to do that today. And Saul shuts this down. And again, wisely. And I want you just to note the, the slickness of the enemy. And I want you to note that the enemy is he'll, he'll change tactics on us. If one thing doesn't work, he'll try another thing. If this doesn't work, I'll try this over here. And so we got to be careful. You got to be on your toes. That the enemy is always trying to see, where can I get in? Can I get you mad at this? No. Can I get you to stumble over here? No. Can I get you to tempted? He's just looking for where, where can I get in to jack up your life and mess you up? You got to be on guard. You got to be alert. Uh, that's, what, that's what Peter says in 1 Peter. He says, be sober and vigilant, watchful and alert and watchful because your adversary, the devil, is, goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Um, and so if you ever watch the lions hunt, they lay in the tall grass. They'll go to sleep for like four hours. Uh, they, <laughs> they're lazy. You know, they, they sleep all day. They'll sleep for four hours and then they wake up and guess what happened while they were asleep? You know, herds of gazelles and ox start cruising through to eat and they'll wake up and they're like, oh, you look at that. Look at that. Look at that. OK. All right. You know, and, and they, they can communicate without words. They start they, they, they get their little their little thing together and then they go hunt and they jump up out the cut and get get one. The Bible says Satan is like that, just lurking. Just got to be alert. You got to be on. You got to know you're always, we're always at war. 
and say he's looking for how to get in. If he can't get me there, he's going to try to get me here. We got to be alert and mindful that, you know what, God, I, I, for me, I, I, I have lived this, right? God, I'm called to do something. Satan would love to discredit me or hinder me or jack me up in some way. And so th- there are going to be things coming from all kinds of directions. I can't bite. I got people say something over here. The Lord's like, don't, don't answer that. Don't get into that. Somebody did that over here. And then God's like, don't, don't, don't get into that. Don't, don't do that, Bill. You know, I got a lot of things where the, the Lord's just like, no, don't, don't say that. Don't do that. Don't respond to that. Just, you know, stay out of it. Right. Uh, I, I can't I can't make it that easy. And there was a period of my life where I did fall. Um, when I first got saved, y'all know when my first church I was in when I got saved, I had a fight at church. Yeah. At, and, and, you know, I was a brand new believer, but I was I knew better. But I let my flesh get going. We were we, me and one guy was out front wrestling and we were playing. His brother came and the brother was like, oh, let me let me let me let me see. You know, he wanted to wrestle, but then he got in the flesh. And so I, and I talk smack. And so I'm talking smack. I'm making fun. We get inside the church and I'm noticing like. And he kind of he huffing and puffing. And he's he, he's he's still mad about what I was doing, what happened outside. And and so I, I fight in the church. And yeah. And I look back and I'm like, I mean, afterwards, I'm like, how did you, you why would you at church, bro? Why would you do that? Flesh, the flesh, the flesh. And, and that was that, that that day. God was like, you got to you got to be better. You got to shut your mouth. You talk too much. And I do. I talk a lot. I, I play. Sometimes I play too much. Uh, I've learned that many times. And God's like, you, you got to you can't do that with everybody. Everybody can't take that. And and, then, and unless you want to be fighting at church, you got to just cut it out. And I had I had a couple of opportunities at my last church where I was on staff where God showed me I grew. Uh, I'm in the church office and I had people get in my face. It's a it's a mega church. So people would come there assuming that we have money to give. And so they would come in and say, I, I would like to meet with a pastor. And, uh, they, and, I, and I would take walk-ins, and so I get an appointment. I'm sitting down, say, "Hey, can I help you, Pastor Bill? How can I pray for you? What do you need?" I had one woman pull out her whole bill fold, and she gave me all her bills and said, "I need someone to pay all these bills." I said, "I said, ma'am, we don't we don't have a ministry for that. You know, I, I can give you food. I, you know, we can if you need a, if you need somewhere to stay, I can direct you to some things." And she said, "No, I need someone to pay all these bills." And I had a gentleman do that to me. And when I told him that we don't have a ministry for that, uh, he literally got up in my face, uh, said some things to me. And so my knee jerk response when men do that is like I stand up and I'm like, let's go outside. And, uh, and I walked him outside and and there I am. And God's like, what, what are you going to do? Because I walked him outside like like what's happening? You know, like you're not going to get me in my office. Like I, now we outside the church, you know. And as soon as I got out the door, the Holy Spirit was like, now we got him outside. Now you're going to fight him outside. Really? Is that what, she, is that what you're going to do, son? And, and I had to just let him say whatever he had to say as he walked off. And um, it shouldn't have been so hard. That was hard for me. Just let this guy go. Wop, 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 wop. But that was a lesson. God was like, you're going to be quiet. You're going to humble yourself. There many, many more opportunities for you to humble yourself. I got weaknesses and things that these are areas where Satan would want to disqualify me. Uh, these are things that happen in my life. And God's like, a pastor can't be a striker, can't be quarrelsome, Bill. You can't, can't be fighting folks in Jesus name. And so, all right, I, I got to take some L's out here. That's 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 a hard pill to swallow. But God's like, that's that's what a pastor that you're not going to be able to be like that. Every one of us has something we're called to do, called to be. Satan knows where you're weak. Right. Everybody's weak in different places. And some people have great control over their anger and temper. And they got some other mess that they do. Uh, whatever your mess is. Um, the Holy Spirit will give you strength 
to walk in victory, that you wouldn't be hindered or kept back from fully being everything God has saved you and filled you in order for you to be. And so they have this great victory here. The enemy says, OK, let, let's try this new thing. Let's see if I can. Let's kill the guys that didn't like you, Saul. This, I'm, Saul, we're doing this for you. And Saul said, no, no, you're not going to do that for me. We're not going to kill anybody today. And in the last two verses, 14 and 15, then Samuel said to all the people, come, let us go up, go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So all the people went to Gilgal and they made Saul king before the Lord. Now, this is the third time that they make Saul king. Saul was made king privately. Then he was uh, he had his you know, public inauguration when they had to pull him out of the stuff. Well, now after his first battle, everybody is going to be able to acknowledge, hey, this is the guy that God has anointed to lead Israel. And so uh, once more, they bring him out and they make him king before all the people there in Gilgal. And it says there they made sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. And so the peace offerings, these were normally offerings where one portion of the offering was offered to God. Another portion was consumed by the worshipers. And it was done many times to ratify treaties or covenants or agreements made between God and his people. So this is celebratory. A peace offering is or called a fellowship offering that God, I'm, I'm sharing in this with you. And so that day they, they have this peace offering or a fellowship offering before the Lord and they celebrate God's faithfulness. I just want to remind us or encourage us what we can take like Saul, who was taken from, you know, what he was doing beforehand, called by God and directed to do something. Then he was empowered by God to do it. And there'll be things that God has decided for us. This is what I want to do in you and with you and through you. He'll call us to it. He'll speak to us about it. And like Saul, why was Saul hiding in the stuff? He's probably scared to death. I don't want to be the king. What did this? What did Saul say? He said, look, I'm 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 from the weakest tribe. I'm in the weakest family in the weak. I'm the weakest one in the weakest family in the weakest tribe. What do you, what you mean? I'm going to be the king, you know, uh, and he wasn't lying. He was actually in the weakest tribe. And he said, I, I, I don't think you got the wrong guy. That was his honest evaluation of himself. And so here's why God often does choose the weak, um, that when God would put his power upon the weak, he would get the glory. Saul knew, I'm, I'm not anything, but God was going to do something through him. And so for us, I want to just encourage you guys that I do believe that we're living in the last days. I know a lot of people say that. But I, as I look around, as I look at my Bible and I look around, I'm like, man, we're we don't know the day or the hour or the when. I'm not one of those guys. But, man, if you can read the signs, we know we're, we're pushing. We're pushing. We're pushing toward the end of times. And so. For believers, always, but especially now, we should be mindful. We want to occupy till he comes. We want to have our hands full of the things that matter to God. And I, I, I just am encouraging you guys. Every believer should. Someone say, what's, what's God called you to do at this season? You should have an answer for that. What's God called you to do right now? What are you doing right now that matters for the kingdom of God? And if you, if, for you, it's nothing. That's sinful. If you're a believer, that's wrong. God didn't call you to just be. God didn't call you to just go to school or go to work every day. You may be doing that, too. But what is God? What are you doing right now? No, God's been moving on my heart to be praying. OK, that's what you're doing. Impact. God's got me serving in this way. Praise God. God's got me evangelizing. All right. I'm witnessing at work. OK, you know, but, but don't say nothing. Don't say my hands. I, the God and God, there's nothing for me to do right now. Oh, you haven't listened. 
There's something for everybody here to do. Amen. And something to do that matters for eternity that requires God's power in order for you to do it. And if you don't know what that is, this is not to condemn you. But tonight, let's pray. God, show me. What am I supposed to be doing? I don't want to waste another day of this life. I want to spend it on that which matters to you. We know there are many ways that you can spend your day. But we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel. Pastor Bill is the voice behind these teachings here on A Transforming Word. We genuinely trust that what you're hearing is truly having a transforming effect on your life through listening to God's Word. What is standing out to you about the book of 1 Samuel? Is it the character of Samuel and how he came to the position he did in Israel? Perhaps your curiosity is piqued by the accounts of young David fighting off wild animals and even fighting against a giant enemy. There are all kinds of accounts of fights, chases, and running away from someone who was once trusted. There are also great moments of David and Jonathan and their friendship. This Old Testament book can be such a treasure of information, history, and life lessons. We hope that you're connecting with it in multiple ways today. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up, but please join us again for the next edition as Pastor Bill continues to teach through the book of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep learning and growing in the Word, and be expected for another great message here on A Transforming Word.